1: Good evening and thanks for joining us. Canadians have spoken, voting in a Liberal minority government. And while Justin Trudeau will be returning to the PM's office, the makeup of the 43rd Parliament will be decidedly different. Here's a look at who you sent to Ottawa. Liberals now with a smaller caucus at 157 seats. The Conservatives ending up at 121. The Bloc surging to 32. The NDP losing seats to land at 24. And the Greens gained one for a total of three this time around. And of course, there is one independent, Jody Wilson-Raybould. So what does it all mean? Justin Trudeau will have to find some political allies to advance his agenda during his second mandate. Ted Trinecki outlines the tough task ahead and where Trudeau is likely to seek cooperation.
0: We're going to make sure. Shear cut off Singh. Thank you so much, everyone. Trudeau cut off Shear. It was like there's more acrimony than harmony. The major parties couldn't even orchestrate who got to speak when at the end of last night's vote. So how are they supposed to get along and run a country this divided? Is the Liberal NDP coalition necessary?
2: The Liberals don't need any kind of formal commitment of any sort from the NDP. Largely (laughs) because their interests align too much in keeping things going. In fact, this may be a minority government that lasts for four years.
0: Considering that for the first time in 40 years, the party that won the election lost the popular vote, Trudeau lost seats in every province, there are zero liberal seats in Alberta and Saskatchewan, and the revival of Quebec nationalism all add up to one rocky road to national harmony, with the NDP potentially
2: holding some sort of balance of power. They've chosen the government, they've chosen Mr. Mr. Trudeau as Prime Minister. We respect that decision, but we're going to fight within those, within those conditions, uh, with everything we have, to to ensure Canadians know that we're in it for them and we're going to deliver on uh, our commitment to fight for them.
0: Even an issue like twinning the Trans Mountain Pipeline, the Liberals will have no trouble finding support from the Conservatives. Climate action! Now! And as for climate change action, there's a growing youth movement that all parties will ignore at their peril, as many of today's youth will be voting in four years. And depending on the Supreme Court's decision, even Alberta might have to accept a carbon tax.
3: I expect we will
0: see
4: the federal um, carbon pricing scheme continue and the federal government will be implementing um, its carbon tax and dividend scheme in Alberta on January 1st. There will be a lot of noise then too.
0: So while the Liberals and NDP have a lot in common, you can be sure there'll be a lot of pushback from the Conservatives and its core base of supporters.
5: We'll do everything we can to make sure that this liberal government understands that it has to change course. It cannot continue to attack our energy sector. We'll
0: Trudeau will have to draw on every political maneuvering gene his father ever gave him if he's to succeed in reuniting a once again polarized Canada. Ted Chenecki, Global News.
1: And Keith Baldry is back at it again on the desk with me for some analysis. On this, it was an interesting evening uh, last night, Keith. We've seen, you know, something of minority governments yeah. here in BC. Based on our experience, how long do you think this uh, makeup will last in Ottawa?
2: I think it's going to run the full run, four years. Uh, there's no very strong minority here. You've got uh, more than 180 seats between the Liberals and the NDP. 170 is, is a majority. Uh, the Conservatives are going to discover how powerless they are here. The Greens aren't necessarily part of the equation here. They, it, Justin Trudeau does not need those three seats from the Greens to continue to govern and the bloc will support the liberals on a vote-by-vote basis so justin trudeau don't look for him to enter into a formal coalition with anyone uh don't look for him to enter into a what's called a confidence and supply agreement as we see here in victoria in victoria in bc he's just going to govern as he's always been governing essentially daring the other parties to take him out but he will probably introduce some policies that uh, court the favor and the support of the ndp that's the partner he has to woo
1: Keith, money is also a factor in this. always
2: is in politics, and Justin Trudeau knows full well everybody's broke right now. Elections cost a lot of money. The NDP in particular came into this campaign with the worst fundraising record of all the major parties. They're in no position to fight an election for some time yet. Justin Trudeau knows that, which means I don't think the next election will occur until 2023.
1: All right, Keith, thanks for that. Transit, affordable housing, electoral reform and Trans Mountain are all hot topics in this province. And while the election was called even before votes were counted in B.C., Richard Zussman tells us why local issues should get a lot of attention going forward.
6: Elections are when promises are made. And now with a minority government, British Columbians are anxious to see which ones are kept. With the likelihood of the Liberals and the NDP working together, Victoria's mayor's optimistic that means more commitments to affordable housing.
4: I think first of all we'll see the continued investment in infrastructure, which is absolutely critical to Victoria and to cities across the country.
6: Then there's transit. The mayor's council has been pushing to expand the Broadway subway line to UBC. There's optimism this government will fund that project.
7: I think the election results are going to be positive regarding investments in in public transit. Uh, Both the Liberals and the NDP uh, did make
6: significant commitments. The two parties disagree on electoral reform. The NDP want it, the Liberals don't. This new Democrat and the lead campaigner against BC's pitch for proportional representation says he doesn't see this issue coming back.
7: Any opportunity for proportional representation to come back on the national agenda is gone with last night's election. The two largest parties have no interest.
6: Then there's the Trans Mountain Pipeline, one of the lingering questions of a Liberal-NDP relationship. In this case, the Liberals own the pipeline. The NDP want to stop the expansion, but it seems the election results won't be enough to derail the project. It is striking to me that the Liberals held the seats
4: that might have been most vulnerable to... Um voters pushing back
8: on
6: Trans Mountain.
8: I don't know that it will have any impact on TMX. I think uh, the Liberals have made it clear they own it.
6: Opponents are hoping this is an election issue that is beyond the ballot box, holding out hope that if politicians won't stop it, maybe the courts and protesters can. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria.
1: And while the Greens did make history last night, seeing three MPs elected, the party fell far short of expectations, leaving many disappointed. Sarah McDonald has more on what happens now and the challenges leader Elizabeth
3: sees going forward. For a party that rode into the federal election campaign on a wave of momentum... The Greens fell short of delivering at the polls, though technically making gains in the popular vote and party history, securing its first seat in Parliament east of B.C. in Atlantic Canada. What? Leader Elizabeth May entering Parliament wielding more power than ever before, though not nearly as much as initially anticipated. However, those are wins and they are gains. May now one of three Greens at the table in the House of Commons alongside Nanaimo Lady Ladysmith incumbent Paul Manley a single seat gain from party standings at dissolution though a far cry from early optimistic projections the hundreds
9: of thousands of dollars that the NDP spent spreading untruths is why i'm going to parliament with 3 seats instead of 5
3: when it came to claiming new territory and its biggest stronghold on the west coast the party couldn't capitalize winning no new seats on vancouver island with environmental issues more mainstream than ever <laughs> Now no boots on the ground at climate crisis demonstrations don't necessarily translate to votes or seats. An especially difficult reality for the party's youngest supporters like Emma Jane, seen here bursting with enthusiasm as the writ was dropped. I'm really disappointed in the other leaders because frankly um, it's it's despicable that they
10: don't have a stronger plan on climate
3: the woman who does, preparing to one day pass on the party reins. Was this your last federal campaign as leader of the Green Party?
9: I don't know. I think that's quite likely, but I'm not in any, I think I need to, uh, certainly I'm not making any decisions, big life decisions today or tomorrow.
3: Far from a kingmaker, but still a bigger force than ever in Ottawa. Sarah MacDonald, Global News, Victoria.
1: Vancouver police are providing new information today about how a woman ended up being dragged for blocks through the downtown east side. Police now say new evidence indicates 24 year old Desiree Ivancio walked between the van and its trailer when the accident happened. Ivancio suffered life altering injuries, including traumatic damage to her face. The van and trailer belonged to a U.S. punk rock band. Police say their investigation is ongoing and at this point no one has been charged. An RCMP have arrested two youth in connection with a carjacking at UBC back in September. The victim told police she was returning to her vehicle when she was approached by two suspects, one of whom pulled out a small handgun and demanded her keys. The investigation spanned several police jurisdictions. The suspects were recently caught when someone called police to report a reckless driver in North Vancouver. And when officers arrived, they discovered the suspects were driving the stolen vehicle. Testimony from a psychiatrist at the Gabriel Klein murder trial is raising questions about the focus as, of his defense. Klein is accused of murdering 13-year-old Letitia Reimer in the hallway of an Abbotsford high school. Grace Key has more on what the doctor told the court today about a conversation she had with Klein in the days following the stabbing. And a warning, some of the details in this story are disturbing.
11: ER psychiatrist Dr. Samantha Safi took the stand today. Now, she assessed Gabrielle Klein four days after the stabbing. This would be the first time that he spoke since the incident. He did talk to the doctor about the stabbing. He says he went to the community library that day that was attached to the school. He saw two girls and then squinted and just looked to the side and saw two monsters. He walked towards them with his knife hidden. One looked like a gray owl and the other a shape-shifting witch. He said he heard voices that said, kill, kill, kill. He told the doctor he stabbed the first girl over and over again and then moved over to the second girl. She took the knife out of his hand and he was surprised at that point and then realized they were not monsters but girls. The doctor said there were also inconsistencies in what he told her. He believed his cannabis had been laced with methamphetamine causing the psychosis and then he said it wasn't the drugs. She believed his shaking episodes were not seizures and that his hallucinations didn't fit with psychosis behavior. The defense called into question the doctor's assessment, bringing up some parts of Klein's medical history that she was not aware of. Defense is expected to argue that Klein is not criminally responsible for reason of mental disorder. Tomorrow, another psychiatrist is expected to take the stand. In New Westminster, Grace Key, Global News. I-HIT is investigating
1: after a man was shot in Chilliwack overnight. Just after midnight, police were called to a car wash at Fletcher Street and Yale Road for a report of a man who'd been seriously injured. Officers arrived to find a 27-year-old man with a gunshot wound. He was transported to hospital but is not expected to survive. The victim is known to police and the general public is not believed to be at risk. Anyone with information is asked to call the I-HIT tip line. Vancouver police need your help locating a federal offender who failed to return to his halfway house last week. Take a look. This is 45-year-old James Larry Moya. He's now wanted Canada-wide for failing to return to his halfway house last week. Moya is a two-time federal offender on statutory release for aggravated assault. He has a history of violence and substance abuse. Anyone who sees Moya or who has information about his whereabouts should call 911 immediately. Right now, a post-election climate protest plan for this Friday in downtown Vancouver could turn out to be a lot bigger than expected. As Erin MacArthur reports, not only is it a pro-D day for thousands of students, the world's most famous teenage climate activist will also be taking part.
7: We are fighting for everyone's future.
8: If Greta Thunberg can draw 10,000 people in Edmonton, who knows how many will come to see her on Friday in Vancouver. Organizers forced to draw a whole new plan for the climate strike when the Swedish team confirmed her visit to the West Coast.
11: Even if Greta was here or wasn't here, we'd be having this strike just days after the election to just really make sure that it's known that climate is a priority.
8: When hundreds of thousands of people showed up for Fridays for the Future, it looked like climate change was on the agenda for the federal election. But something happened on the way to the polls. Green support stalled, and the NDP surge just a fraction of what it could have been. We saw a very fragmented country when it came to issues. We usually have campaigns where you have one or two grandiose ideas by each party. While Thunberg will be in Vancouver, she won't be visiting the island. The only way to get there involves fossil fuels. The climate activist has turned down meetings in the provincial capital.
1: And I think it's almost, um,
12: you know, poignant that she would come and see us but for the fossil fuels that she'd need to burn to get here.
8: Former Olympic rower Adam Creek has offered to give Thunberg a lift, an entirely human-powered crossing of Georgia Strait, anywhere from four to eight hours. No word if the offer will be accepted. I would be incre- incredibly impressed if that is her reason, because she is somebody who's dedicated and committed. Committed, And I would, I think, uh, good on her if that's the reason why. Vancouver police are planning on a much bigger rally at the art gallery than originally anticipated. Greta's appearance coinciding with a lawsuit dropping against the federal government. 13 young people claiming their charter rights have been violated by the federal government's inaction on climate change. The issue, very much alive for the next minority parliament. Aaron McCarthy, Global News.
1: A coroner's report into a tragic death at a Richmond trampoline park has concluded it was accidental. 46-year-old Jason Greenwood died in January of last year after doing a front flip into a foam pit at the Extreme Air Park. The report says an injury to Greenwood's cervical spine damaged his spinal cord, which stopped his breathing. The report also says a more timely medical aid response with respiratory support could have prevented his death. The incident sparked a lawsuit against the park and official recommendations that trampoline parks be regulated in B.C. The government has asked Technical Safety B.C. to study what standards should be established. The Human Rights Tribunal has dismissed a transgender woman's waxing complaint. Jessica Yaniv filed complaints against several estheticians who refused to provide intimate waxing services after they found out it involved hair removal from male genitalia. Today, the tribunal sided with the estheticians as none of the service providers offered hair removal for male parts to begin with. The decision also found Yaniv to be disingenuous. and She was ordered to pay $2,000 each to three of the respondents for her improper conduct. A new 3D anatomy tool is bringing bodies to life for students at Simon Fraser University. SFU recently acquired an anatomage table, one of only three Canadian universities to have the tool. Linda Aylesworth shows us how it works and why it's much more than
13: just a computer program. The best way to learn about human anatomy is to study and dissect a human body. But these days, the body doesn't have to be physical.
10: That's why it's that color. So this woman died of gastric cancer. This is a game changer in terms of how students get to interact with anatomy. And they get to interact with it
13: an infinite number of times in an infinite number of ways. It is a virtual animatage dissection table. Simon Fraser University is the first in Western Canada to get one. Among its many advantages over physical cadavers. This
10: is me rotating my cadaver here versus me getting two gentlemen to assist me to rotate my cadaver Physically.
13: Thing is, the images
10: are very real, taken of actual cadavers. This is the first, the original cadaver that was on the table. Uh, And he was a death row inmate. He was
13: put to death in the state of California. He and three others in the animatage table bequeathed their bodies to the endeavor, fully aware that their remains would be frozen, shaved into thin slices, and meticulously photographed to make stunningly precise images.
10: And so we'll just remove his skin to start, and you can see the muscles overlying his eyes, and once I remove those muscles, you'll
13: be able to see his eyes.
8: It's awesome, it's actually like, it's crazy to me, um, being able to actually go through each individual system.
13: And if you make a mistake while doing it, I can undo it. You can't do that with a real cadaver, no. That the images include the donors' faces is because they don't want the students to lose sight of the fact that they were once alive. This is uh, still a human donation.
10: Um, we treat our digital cadavers with the same respect that we would treat our physical cadavers.
13: And while there will always be a place for physical cadavers in science, the anatomage table will greatly add to the learning experience, which is why Simon Fraser University is currently fundraising to purchase two more. Linda Aylesworth, Global News.
12: Three,
3: three,
1: Bar patrons in Northern Ireland count down to midnight at the moment a ban on same-sex marriage ends, along with restrictions on abortion. Northern Ireland was the only part of the UK that didn't allow same-sex marriage and banned abortion, except when the mother's life was at risk. More controversial developments tonight in the ongoing impeachment drama in Washington, D.C. As a former U.S. ambassador gives testimony that contradicts Donald Trump's denials of wrongdoing in his dealings with Ukraine, the president's description of the impeachment process is reopening racial wounds. <laughs>
9: As a key witness testifies today in the impeachment inquiry, President Trump is provoking outrage by describing the investigation against him as a lynching, a word deeply tied to America's history of racially motivated murders.
0: Something like lynching is far beneath the office of the president of the United States.
9: Every
10: time his back is against the wall, he uses race. He throws out race as a bomb to divert the attention.
9: Supporters defending the president.
6: This is a
0: political lynching. It's not the word, it's the conduct.
9: While a White House spokesman tries Sanders to clarify.
0: The president's not comparing uh, what happened to him uh, with one of our darkest moments in American history. What's he doing? He's just not. What he's explaining clearly is the way he's been treated by the media since he announced for president.
9: The controversy is drawing attention away from today's highly anticipated deposition with acting U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, Bill Taylor. Democrats stepping out of the closed-door hearing, indicating it's, it's bombshell news, testimony.
2: Right. And
0: this is the my most disturbing day in Congress so far.
9: In a September text message, Taylor wrote, I think it's crazy to withhold security assistance for help with a political campaign. U.S. Ambassador to the European Union Gordon Sondland responded there was no quid pro quo, though he recently testified the president directed him to write that. In Washington, Alice Barr, NBC News. A scathing
1: report tonight from the U.S. National Transportation Safety Board into last year's deadly collapse of a pedestrian bridge in Florida. The bridge near Miami University came down during construction, killing six people. The NTSB report says there were design errors that should have been more carefully monitored by the state government. It also says some cracks were seen days before the collapse cracks that were 40 times larger than commonly accepted. That should have prompted officials to shut down the road under the bridge and prevent a catastrophic loss of life. More bad news for actress Lori Loughlin and nine other parents in that college admission scandal. Prosecutors have added new charges as they pressure the parents to admit their alleged roles in a scheme to get their kids into elite
5: universities. Tonight, a federal grand jury in Boston has leveled a new charge of conspiracy to commit bribery against actress Lori Loughlin, her fashion designer husband, Massimo Giannulli, and nine other parents entangled in the college admissions scandal. Now facing more prison time if convicted, the additional charge comes as the group of wealthy and privileged parents refused to plead guilty, as four others did Monday. The government is turning up the pressure by adding even more charges with these superseding indictments. Sooner or later, most defendants in federal court plead guilty. Arrested in March, Lachlan and her husband already face fraud and money laundering charges that carry a maximum combined sentence of 40 years. The new charge carries an additional five. Prosecutors say the couple bribed USC employees to facilitate their children's admission into the school as rowing recruits. (laughs) The university now confirms both daughters are no longer enrolled. Anytime a federal criminal defendant proceeds to trial, it is a massive gamble. The stakes are so high. A federal criminal defendant has to consider pleading guilty before proceeding to trial. Denying any wrongdoing in court, tonight the question for Lachlan's team, will she change her plea or go to trial, believing a jury will buy her story? Miguel Almaguer, NBC News, New York.
1: The child star from one of Hollywood's most iconic movies is in trouble with the law. Henry Thomas has been arrested for DUI in Oregon after being picked up last night by deputies who found him parked in the middle of a busy intersection. Thomas starred as Elliot in Steven Spielberg's hit movie E.T. and has had a number of movie and TV roles since. The now 48-year-old faces one charge of driving under the influence. An Australian sheep who made headlines in 2015 for the record-breaking weight of his fleece has died. The caregivers of the sheep, named Chris say he passed away this morning at the age of 10, likely of old age. Chris was found in 2015 struggling under the immense weight of his wool, which hadn't been shorn in more than five years. When veterinarians removed the wool, it weighed 40 kilograms, about 88 pounds, breaking the existing world record by 10 kilos. A small but emotional protest march in Victoria today by people demanding the same level of health care in B.C as can be found in many other parts of the country. They suffer from spinal muscular atrophy and are outraged that BC is one of the only provinces in Canada that doesn't fund the only treatment for the disease.
14: By foot and by wheelchair, family, friends and patients make their way through the streets of Victoria.
7: Raza for
14: all. Taking their fight to the BC legislature.
7: We're here today to try and force
8: action to fund Raza a treatment option for spinal muscular atrophy for all patients in BC.
14: The highly specialized medication approved by Health Canada last November is said to be life-changing, but it's also expensive. The list price, $708,000 in the first year and $354,000 every year after that. Still 43 countries and nearly all provinces in Canada are now covering it a game-changer for the small number of patients affected by the rare disease. So the numbers work. If it works for everybody else, it's certainly able to work for BC. Currently in BC, only those with type 1 SMA are eligible for coverage, leaving the vast majority, those with type 2 and 3, with no choice but to wait.
4: This is the one step that's going to help make those muscles stronger, to get those nerves firing better. We're not
0: sure about why this this hold up.
14: The health minister says it's still under review.
0: We make these decisions based on the recommendation of clinical experts, and that's what we're doing in this case. That's what we did when we made it available for type 1.
14: But for those here, time is of the essence. The disease progresses with age, and every day spent waiting for Spinraza only chips away at the
0: future. It would give me hope to be able to have a happy and productive life.
14: Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria.
0: You're watching Global NewsHour at 6.
14: Well, there are signs tonight that
1: one of the most unpopular parts of post-9-11 airport security could be changing. Some U.S. airports are experimenting with allowing the friends and families
15: of travelers past security. Travelers know the routine. At the airport, if you don't have a ticket, your journey ends here. But today, that changed in Detroit, now the third airport to allow visitors past security and into the terminals without a plane ticket, so more people can shop, dine, plane watch or greet loved ones at the gate. It's always hard to say goodbye to the kids, so it's a little easier. Things changed after 9-11. The establishment of the TSA meant tougher security and restricted movements around the airport. Pittsburgh and Tampa already have similar programs in place. How many of you would use this? Well, yeah. yeah. But not everyone is on board.
0: I'm not sure I would feel as comfortable having non taken passengers.
7: It just seems like a risk. We take safety and security very, very seriously, and that's not going to change.
15: All three airports require people to apply for a pass in advance and go through security screening just like any airline passenger. And the same rules apply. No sharp objects or liquids over three ounces. A new idea taking off, increasing airport access even for those staying on the ground. Blaine Alexander, NBC News, Tampa, Florida.
1: Thousands turn out in Denmark to watch a really big move. The story right after the forecast. Meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us with a look at that forecast. There is sunshine out there again.
12: Well, not there. No, I had to show you this image. Uh, Yesterday was a soaker. We had 40 millimeters of rain across Metro Vancouver, but for all you ski lovers, it was snowing at the top of Mount Seymour, so yes, the kicking off the snow season up there, but this was the day today. Lots of blue sky. Thank you to everyone who shares the photos with us. Bit of haze, certainly, but uh, so nice to see the blue sky, especially since we're getting to the peak of the fall colors, everyone. I urge you to remember, the peak usually only happens between one to two weeks so get out there and enjoy it this week because in not too long they'll be gone right so we're getting close to that peak period here's a look at your forecast so northern regions are going to see a change tomorrow periods of rain windy conditions expected there but most other areas across the province another beautiful day however this system will drop to the south on thursday just touching in north of metro vancouver so we are going to see some cloud cover on thursday and i've kept in a slight chance of showers but most It's on Friday that we're going to see that rainfall. So here's a look at your Wednesday. Yes, periods of rain for the north coast regions, inland regions, increasing cloud. Sunshine across the south, and we'll see that for southern uh, south coast regions also. However, on Thursday, we will start to see some cloud cover. And those of you across the Sunshine Coast will see uh, rainfall on Thursday. But for Metro Vancouver, the rain isn't expected until Friday. And I wanted to show you that seven-day forecast that I don't often show because we've got a really up, a strong upper level pattern that is set to build starting the weekend through next week and it looks like it may hold in just in time for Halloween for all of you uh, trick-or-treaters out there we could be looking at sunny conditions and one last shot for you this is in the Fraser Valley Bill Beatty sending us that a double rainbow the, the second rainbow tough to see but it is in there a
1: double rainbow Mm-hmm. Amazing. Thank you very much, Christy. It wasn't exactly the fastest-paced show you've ever seen, but it was fascinating nonetheless, and it distracted a big crowd. I was thinking about the election last night. Thousands turned out on the coast of Denmark to watch officials move a lighthouse. Coastal erosion and shifting sands had put the iconic landmark in danger from rising water levels, so engineers designed a rail system to move the 1,000-tonne structure intact to a new location. They moved it about 70 metres at a speed of about 8 metres an hour. It all took about 10 hours to complete.
12: It seems so high up. They're worried about rising... Didn't that look like it was on a cliff? It looked okay. <laughs> yeah. It looked okay.
7: They're getting way ahead of themselves.
12: Erosion, erosion. Mm-hmm. Oh, erosion. erosion. Oh,
7: I thought it was... Okay,
12: pardon me.
1: Uh, Ten hours. Arc election I was going to say, was, was that seven, the election so last night? It felt like it. It mm-hmm. mm-hmm. felt like it.
7: <laughs> yeah. Maybe no, no. the Conservatives should have pulled their goalie to when I got back in the game.
1: I'm thinking about the analogy, but I'm too tired to it get does. it. It does. It's a
7: sports okay. analogy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Someone said who, someone asked me before last night, who do you think is going to win the election? I said, I think the Liberals by a field goal. Oh, tight. Yeah, oh, well. It's kind of like that. Yeah,
1: I get that one. Okay. So would, would there have been, if we're continuing with the sports election analogies, would, would there have been an, uh, an MVP?
7: Uh, I don't know who the MVP would Would
1: there be. have been penalties?
7: Uh, well, all the penalties are usually before right, okay. election night, and we don't know if those penalties will, be, <laughs> will affect somebody or not until election night. So Politics can be a sport. Well, let's put it this way. The Liberals won the game early because they got Ontario, and that was pretty much game over, wasn't it? <laughs> Isn't that how it
1: works? Keep it going. All right.
7: Uh, the Canucks want to be a playoff team this season. And if you are going to be a playoff team, one of the things you are supposed to do is beat the teams you're supposed to beat like Detroit. Because on paper, the Canucks have a better roster than the Red Wings. In fact, Detroit would happily trade teams with Vancouver right now. So even though the Canucks are at the end of a four-game road trip, this is a game where points are expected. There is Jacob Markstrom. Here is Jacob Markstrom making a save off another Jacob, Jacob Delarose. And this is on a shorthanded break here for the Red Wings. Nice stop. Red Wings had a two-man power play in the first period, and they did score. Anthony Mantha, so that made it 1-0. Anthony, Anthony, Anthony Mantha? Anthony Mantha. Don't try to say that too fast. You might sprain your tongue. Okay, chance for Andre Svechnikov. He's in alone! He loses the puck. And Marksner makes an easier save than he thought he would. And then Jake Furtanen gets mad at him and they called penalty. And then there was a power play, and then the Red Wings scored again. This time it's a kid from Langley, Dennis Chalau, played in the BCHL, played in the WHL, now he plays in Detroit, and he made it two nothing against his old hometown team. That one went in off Alex Edler, as you could have seen there. So, two nothing. But the Canucks had two power plays early in the third, and they capitalized on both of them. This is a rebound, and Bo Horvat knocks it in. Pedersen and Quinn Hughes get assists, then the Red Wings take another penalty, and a minute 31 later, Quinn Hughes' shot is tipped in by Bo Horvath. So the captain has two goals, and it's 2-2 in the third period. Look what the Raptors got. A banner. A banner? And rings. Oh yeah, okay. That, that are about as big as you and I combined. Yeah, that would be more like a bracelet. They're taking on the New Orleans Pelicans. Fred Van Vliet, one of the heroes of last season for three. Pelicans missing Zion Williamson, the number one draft pick overall. This past June. Exciting player, but has a bad knee right now. Terrence Davis. No, no. Yes. If at first you don't succeed, uh, one point difference in the third quarter. And they also have a banner in Houston from their championship two years ago. And they have a choo-choo train. So, what do you think of that? And what do you think of this? Garrett Cole, strikeout on Juan Soto. We'll come back to these two momentarily. Does the train move? If it wants to. Gary Guriel hit a home run. It'll move. That's a double. Two-run score. Two-nothing in the first. But...
5: You
7: see 2-1. Now it's 2-2. Two two. I'm going to update you. Because... Soto, who you saw get struck out earlier, now hits a solo home run right by that pennant. Almost hit the train. 2-2. The Seattle Seahawks made a trade today with Detroit, picking up defensive back Condre Diggs for a fifth-round draft pick. He was a good player for the Lions last season. Been a bit off his game this year, but he does have uh, some hamstring issues. Maybe that's why. If anything, it does give the Seahawks some veteran depth in the secondary. Well, I'm sure the New York Jets are really upset their quarterback, Sam Darnold, had a really bad game last night against New England. Four interceptions and a fumble. Adam Sandler looked like a better quarterback in the longest yard. But possibly to deflect criticism of Sam Darnold's play, the Jets are now mad that Monday Night Football ran, ran a comment he made on the sidelines about seeing ghosts. What he meant was the Patriots were completely confusing him. Here's what it sounded like. ghosts. And
0: Boog, I think his follow-through was compromised there. Right.
7: Uh, he was seeing ghosts, all right, and they all look like patriots. It is almost Halloween. It is. It actually made sense. I don't really know why they were so upset, but anyway, as you get mic'd up, things happen. Sergio Aguero from Raheem Sterling. This is Champions League action. Atlanta against Man City. Atlanta scored first, and then Man City scored the next five. Raheem Sterling set up Aguero. Now he will get two of his three. There's one. Here's another. 5-1 was the final for Manchester City.
8: He has the world his he is now. OK. okay. <laughs>
1: a Vancouver husband and wife are still shaking their heads tonight, thinking about how they recovered a precious stolen keepsake. Their vehicle, broken into on the downtown east side, and just when they thought all hope was lost... Catherine
4: Urquhart explains their stroke of luck. On the gritty streets of the downtown east side, Constables Lee Martin and Jaspreet Gill have seen it all. Or at least they thought they had.
6: Well, I've been in policing for 12 years now and uh, nothing like this has ever happened to me before.
4: While patrolling Hastings Street on Sunday, the two were approached by newlyweds desperate for help.
12: Immediately I was
4: hoping that absolutely I really, really hope I would be the one to actually track it down. Matt and Maryam were beside themselves after her $5,000 wedding dress was stolen from their car which is parked in the neighborhood on Friday night.
9: All I could think about was like, I'm never going to get that dress back, the memories I lost and it was gut-wrenching.
4: Sunday, they decided to launch their own search for the dress.
8: Let's go down to Hastings and at least attempt to look.
4: It was soon after arriving that they told officers Martin and Gill about the stolen dress. Then something unbelievable happened.
8: I took five steps forward and within five steps, a guy pops out of nowhere and walks right past us.
9: I think that's the box. And he looks back at the cops and he's like, I think that's it. And they're like, no way. Like their face was like, like, everyone was shocked.
4: Police quickly made an arrest and retrieved the dress.
6: This has
8: definitely got me out of the doghouse. You know, I
6: joined this job for the variety and something new every day, and uh, this is exactly why we love policing. Uh, it's, it's stuff like this, and it just makes your day.
4: For the officers, retrieving a stolen dress, not something they could have imagined. A case they're sure to remember. Katherine Urquhart, Global News.
12: So they should have bought a lottery ticket right after that? No Holy kidding. Holy crow.
7: Lucky. Is there a lot of money in the black market for a wedding dress?
12: I, I mean, if it's worth $5,000, then maybe, right?
7: That's a lot of money for a dress.
12: That's a Dry lot of cleaning. money. Dry that's cleaning, about, a wedding dress? That's about the cost of my entire wedding. Really? Hundreds <laughs> of dollars, apparently. Yeah. Do you, <laughs> didn't you Did you dye it? No. My wedding dress? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I used my at wedding dress for a Halloween costume <laughs> one year. It's gone now, it's, been, it's ripped. But at least and, you <laughs> got a second
7: use out of there it. There you go, exactly. See, a lot of people never <laughs> get that second and use. And my,
12: Halloween, or my uh, wedding dress was only, I think, $250. Exactly. So if
1: it had been stolen from your car, well, whatever. Yeah. We'll get
12: okay. yourself a new Halloween costume. Okay, final yep. word on the weather. So we are looking off into uh, Halloween. It looks like a pattern's going to hold that we could be dry. Keep in mind that's still day's off. In the meantime, tomorrow looks dry. Thursday looks mostly cloudy. Friday we have a chance of rain. But that's really the only day that we have a good chance of rain. Otherwise, we're look for, looking at dry conditions. And look at that weekend. It
1: looks beautiful. Mm-hmm. but cold at night? Yeah. That's okay. Oh. There's a trade-off.
12: That's all the time we have.
1: Have a good evening, everyone. Thanks for joining us.